Is there anybody out there? At this point, that's a very real question in my mind because with the spotlights, I can't see a thing. So is there anybody out there? If we were somewhere less reserved than Scotland, somebody might shout back, Andy, it's okay, we're still here. I was rather hoping that somebody might do that. Because what I'd like to speak about, just for a few minutes, is that final reading that we heard from Helen, which is all about an answering voice. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The message of Christmas is that this universe and all time is not an endless silence. Someone has spoken. The Lord has spoken supremely in the sending of his Son when God came down in Jesus at Christmas. He has spoken so that we might know him and respond to him in our lives. He has spoken. Now, I don't know what you make of that idea. It's an easy thing to be unsure about. You saw those images there from the Rosetta spacecraft. And what an image, what a metaphor or a symbol that is of humanity alone in a silent universe. Or think more painfully, those images that we saw from West Africa. Can there really be a divine intelligence supervising all of that human suffering and degradation from Ebola? People crying out, but is there really anyone to hear them? It's an easy thing to be unsure about the presence of a God who is real enough and near enough that we might know him. And yet we do sometimes wonder Tom, who read the first reading and who's been playing the clarinet this evening, he and I were flatmates a few years ago. And back before we were both married and boring, we used to be single and boring. (laughs) But I do remember one impulsive night. It was around New Year 2011. I can't remember quite which side of the New Year it was, but it was a perfectly clear night sky, not a cloud. And so it was about midnight, I think. We jumped in the car. We drove for 20 miles down the A7 until the glow of Edinburgh had faded and we could look up and see the stars, all of them, in all their glory. And at times like that, you can't help but wonder in those moments, is there anything behind all that we see? Thinking where it all began, back before the Big Bang and all the endless generations of begetting, what began and why? And even if we never get beyond those questions as questions, they're still there. There they are. And in the crisis of suffering, our questions become more real, not less, as we cry out, why is this happening? Or why is this happening to me? The fact that we ask that sort of question reveals something. Maybe, maybe we don't believe. Maybe we're not sure that there is an answer. But we hope that there might be. And Christmas sometimes has the same effect. The nostalgia of a carol service. Sitting here hoping, thinking maybe there might be something in it. 
or even more so as we look back on another year gone by. We saw the review of the year there, and inevitably we also think forward through the years of our lives, the years to come. And we start to think, well, maybe the things that we'll achieve in life, the things that we'll enjoy, is there really a meaning to it all? Is there really a point? Does it matter? I love the um, Attenborough nature programs that they have on the BBC. I love those. It's funny, since we had a, a that was our little um, Elizabeth, the baby on the, um, on the screen there. It's funny, since... Um, she was born. When we watch those nature programs, we now have to fast forward any of the bits that involve a baby animal in danger because my wife can't stand it, whereas before she was very hard-hearted. But I, I love those programs because they make me think, why, is, why do I feel that my life is more significant than the life of a wildebeest or a seal or a, a fly of some kind? Well, because in many ways, the pattern seems to be the same. Eat, rest, Nest, feed offspring, survive, and then die. I do feel that my life has more meaning than that, but why? Again, we may not have answers, but the questions are there. We hope that there might be an answer. And many of these questions do come back to that ultimate underlying question. Is there anybody out there? We sometimes find ourselves hoping that there might be, hoping that our lives might fit into some bigger picture that is good. But hoping will not make it so. Hoping won't answer our questions. Hoping will not make it so. But hearing would. If there is a God who has spoken into the silent universe, then we can hear and no, then we can begin to move from questions towards answers. We know what that's like, don't we, when a voice breaks in on us. Um, a week or so ago, I was at the Christmas party for the parents and little um, um, toddlers group that we have in the church here. It, it runs in a hall over on Upper Gray Street. And I'd never been in the building before where it's held and I'd walked past it many times. I'd seen it from the outside. But being inside, I was intrigued because it was much larger than I had thought it would be. And so inevitably, I went exploring. I went upstairs. I had a look around. I opened some doors, went into some rooms, being really, really nosy. But all the time, slightly nervous of, hey, who are you? What are you doing here? That moment when what we thought was empty space we find is actually the presence of another living person. Well, that's what we have in the reading. We find that this is not a silent universe, but that he has spoken to us. He spoke through the prophets, people like Isaiah, who we read from at the beginning. But supremely, God has spoken through his son in Jesus, who came to earth at Christmas time. The life the, the presence of Jesus is God speaking to us. It is his fullest explanation or introduction of himself. And the writer makes that point very clearly. He says that God has spoken to us through his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus 
is the one who reveals God. He is God speaking to us because he was God himself, the creator, the heir of all things, walking in his own world. Or the other way the writer puts it, we um, sometimes see in the face of a child or in the things that they say an imprint of their parents. And what we have in Jesus is the exact imprint of his father's nature, exact, unmixed representation of God speaking to us. So we see the wisdom of God in Jesus' teaching. We see God's blazing purity in the way that Jesus dealt with hypocrisy and temptation. We see God's love supremely as Jesus laid down his life on the cross, but also as he lived his life and over the course of years put other people's needs before his own. We also see the joy of God in Jesus' love for people, how he never got bored of the men and women he had made. In Jesus, we have God speaking to us so that we might know him, even down all the years, even to us. God has spoken to us through his Son. These are big claims. Of course, these are not the sorts of things we would readily accept, These are the sorts of things we would have to investigate for ourselves. But that isn't hard. On the way out at the door, we have these little copies of Luke's gospel. It's one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, a record of the things that he said and did. And so to us, a record of the very voice of God speaking to us. You'd be welcome to take one. Now, some of us here might want that very much, to hear the speaking God. Sometimes we do long, don't we, for an answering voice. If you've ever been on the phone to a bank or a utility company, and you've been on hold and you've lost track of all time and sense of proportion with the automated messages and the endless music, and just as you're about to give up, a voice breaks in and we rejoice. Well, some of us might want to hear the voice of God. Some of us might want that. To begin to find answers to the questions that life presents. To know that we are not alone in space, but loved and known and addressed very personally by him. For others, though, that won't be a welcome idea. Think of me creeping around that building on my own. As long as there's no one there, it's fine. I I can do my own thing. But as soon as a voice speaks, then there is someone in authority, somebody to whom I must explain myself. But the good news of Christmas is not just that God has spoken, but that his words are full of love. Jesus didn't come to hold our sins against us, but to forgive. That's what the reading meant when it speaks of him making purification for sins. means that he came to forgive, that God was speaking to us in friendship. But that does also mean that the things God says to us are not lightly ignored. If somebody speaks to us about forgiveness, that implies our need of it. And that also implies the trouble that we're in without it, as well as the offer that is there. That's true, isn't it? It'd be fair to say we don't like it when we speak 
and another person won't listen, won't respond. We don't like it. Imagine that after the service. You try to introduce yourself to somebody you haven't met before and they completely blank you, completely ignore you. How rude. Well, the warning of the Bible is that God feels the same way, that if we will not listen to him, there can be no friendship. And that is a grave thing for life now, but also forever. And so as we finish... I'd like to ask, what will you do? What will you do with the voice of God speaking to you? You might suppress it and go back to slightly ignoring or backpedaling on the questions that life raises. Or you could choose to listen, even if skeptically at first, as you begin to read and look at what God says to you in Jesus. Or... You could respond to him tonight as you know that God is speaking and speaking even to you. So is there anybody out there? Christmas says there is, that God has spoken to us through his son. That he has spoken and it's up to us now to listen and to respond.